This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Thank you. Well, good afternoon, everyone. The theme for this month here has been the Gospel of Mark, and uh, it's quite an opening, isn't it, that? It's different to the other Gospel records when we compare it. Mark goes straight in, and that's a, a carefully chosen phrase of mine to make the point about the style in which the work of the Lord Jesus is presented to us in this particular book of the Bible. Indeed, there is a little word that you've already come across in those opening 11 verses of the Gospel of Mark, which is a trademark of the particular uh, Gospel we're looking at, and which will actually determine one or two of the things we will focus on this afternoon. The Gospel record here starts with the preaching of John the Baptist and his baptising of Jesus before Jesus then starts on his public work, his ministry as we call it. It's from the Gospel of Luke that we learn that Jesus was about 30 years old when he started his ministry. And that comment there illustrates how we depend on the four Gospel records to provide us with a complete almost 3D picture certainly to fill in the gaps and, and to complement one another in the details that we are provided uh, and we'll see another example in a moment of how we can turn between the Gospels and have a better grasp of what's going on now our focus is admittedly the people that Jesus met in Mark's Gospel now never mind how long ago it was when I was 30 years old one, one, one or two of us probably have a bit of a struggle to remember what it was like when we were 30 not so with some of you here of course but if I go back even further in my life to when I was uh, a mid-teenager I remember my grandfather uh, doing uh, of course in those days before computers it was all by hand um, and what he did was he took the gospel records and he wrote out by hand, I've probably got them tucked away in a bookcase somewhere at home, he wrote out by hand what we now know as a gospel uh, comparative, a, a, a parallel or a, uh, a list of the gospel incidents laid out so that you can see the harmony of the gospels, as it's called, in the back of my Bible. Here it is, the harmony of the gospels, you can't possibly see that print, I know, but the uh, essence of these columns here is that there is... Um, an approximate date that the uh, author has suggested the, 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 of this table, the event, where it took place, and where in the gospel records, each of the four gospels, that uh, is recorded. Now, the problem with Mark's gospel is that when you go through, everything in Mark's gospel is also covered elsewhere. So Mark has nothing unique to add. So it's not as if there's somebody that Jesus met and it's only told us about in Mark's Gospel so everybody we meet in Mark's Gospel Jesus meeting them that is already elsewhere uh, and apart from being the shortest Gospel and, and the one I did in RE at school possibly because 
it was the short one. Um, what, what, what is it that Mark particularly brings to us? And I'm going to suggest, ladies and gentlemen, that what Mark brings to us is a description, not just of Jesus, the Son of God, going out to his public ministry to uh, preach the gospel and to teach the people and to serve and help them but Mark chooses to emphasise the way in which he did it by use of that word I referred to in those opening words and it's a word that occurs 40 times in these 16 chapters if anybody's interested I'm quite happy to email you a copy of the list I produced of those 40 occasions um, and the first of those is in the 10th verse nearly at the end of the portion we read and you'll see there that it says he came up out from the water from his baptism now various versions of the bible translate the key word here in different ways but the essence of the meaning is immediately now in the King James Version, you will find the same Greek word translated differently. So you get immediately, uh, in some versions, you get straightway, you get forthwith, you get even, in this chapter also, the word anon, which is, is an old English word which doesn't really fit with that feeling. But basically, what we're saying is, Jesus got on with it. That is really the message of Mark's Gospel. This, the Son of God, was sent on earth to fulfill his Father's purpose with him, and it was something he was committed to, so that this particular Gospel writer could use this word straightway. As soon as whatever happened, he did it immediately. Though that's the, that's the driving force behind this particular approach to the Gospel record. And it's in that light of a man getting on with his mission that we will have a look at one or two of the people that Jesus met in this record this afternoon now Jesus work covered a period of about three and a half years now when I was 30 I had no idea what would turn out for the rest of my life and we don't, do we? We don't know what the future holds for us. And here is something that was different about Jesus. Because he knew his mission was to fulfill his father's purpose with the one who had been sent. And moreover, the Old Testament writings, particularly some of the prophecies, and some of the patterns that were laid out in God's word those parallels that Jesus then uses as an approach to parables when he's telling one thing but you know very well there's something else behind it all that upbringing that Jesus had in his Old Testament would have told him that he had to get on with the job because it wouldn't be very long before he was taken and killed he may indeed have known it would be three and a half years because of one particular Old Testament prophecy now imagine that you know that you have a limited amount of time 
in life. Now, sometimes we know we have a limited amount of time in, in our own lives to do a job. Something needs to be done, and we need to get on with it. So there is a sense of urgency, and the commitment of the Lord Jesus Christ to his work comes over in the Gospel records. And it was first things first. The first thing Jesus did is to come out into the open to be acknowledged by John and to follow this necessary ritual of baptism which he was setting as an example for his followers as well. And then he gets on with it. The word immediately comes straight away afterwards. And uh, it's interesting if you look at uh, the call of the disciples then this immediacy is there a couple of times he then goes home to uh, the house where Simon Peter one of his key disciples was and he discovers when they tell him about the family situation that Peter's mother-in-law is, is ill and again this word recurs immediately Jesus goes and heals this lady and straight away she gets up and serves them and prepares a meal for them so it's, we get this feel for it, driving on you, you know perhaps sometimes when you listen to whatever genre of music is, is your style you, know, you can tell the difference between a quieter passage of a piece of music be it modern music or classical music or, or sacred music and then you can tell when there is that injection of pace and urgency and intent and intensity into a piece of music and the rhythm of Jesus' life was like this. You can see when that intensity comes to its peak by the way the record talks of his doings. To be fair, there are also, of course, times when Jesus slowed down. He would go up into the mountains, we're told. This doesn't fall into our category our subject because he didn't go and see anybody. He wanted to be alone. And those are the times when he slowed down and he spent whole times, hours in prayer to his heavenly father. And then he would come back and suddenly the word immediately recurs in the record and we know he's getting on with what he is, uh, is aware he needs to do. And he is fulfilling his father, father's purpose, having replenished his uh, spiritual energy, if you like, by praying to his father and knowing he must now get on with something. Well, let's have a look at a couple of examples of people who Jesus met where this sense of urgency and immediacy is conveyed by Mark's Gospel record. Come with me then into the second chapter of Mark, please. Now, this is the, this is the record of a paralysed man being healed by Jesus. And it's one of those uh, records that in fact occurs in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, either side of, of the book of Mark in our Bibles as well. So we have three records to look at, and, and it's fascinating as a, a lesson in how we might do Bible study to look at this particular example. And it's introduced in different ways. So for instance, in Mark's Gospel record, we're told that he entered Capernaum again one of the other gospels tells us he went into his own city 
So from that we deduce that this is the stage at which Jesus no longer lived in Nazareth, but had moved to live down by the Sea of Galilee in the town called Capernaum. One of the other Gospels also introduces this incident by telling us that there were lots of religious leaders from all around the country present. And what we can work out from that is that having started his public teaching, and, and if you look uh, just back just to get the context here, you will see in verse 35 uh, to 39 of the previous um, chapter, he's had one of these times when he's been out in solitary place and prayed and then they're looking for you and so he goes on and he preaches verse 39 in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and he's getting on with the work and also he's healing people um, casting out demons out of people who are mentally ill and uh, lepers these people who've got this terrible disease he, he heals so he's teaching and preaching and healing and this of course attracts attention the synagogue of course was the uh, bedrock of the system of worship for the orthodox Jews of the day and down in the capital city of Jerusalem there were of course also the leaders of the people and there were various factions within that leadership who we, who we were introduced to in the gospel record but they were concerned there's a man now who's come teaching and what are these reports of miracles so they arranged to make their way just think about it this, is, this of course is days when you could travel on foot or by donkey or horse or something but you couldn't go far in a day even on a donkey so to get up north as, uh, as it was up to Galilee from, from the area of the, the region of Judea where many of these religious leaders would be based would be quite a commitment it would take some time and it would also take some arranging because there were these leading men of the Jewish religion in Capernaum a little uh, lakeside town on a specific day to go and hear what Jesus was talking about to me this is quite a pivotal point in the work of Jesus this is I think the first recorded time he has such an audience such a potential for confrontation and while all these important people mentioned only by one gospel writer are present those aren't the people that Jesus met that the gospel writers focus on and introduce us to they were spectators they heard what went on and they had their own comments and they played their own part but they are not the focus of the story you ask uh, some younger person who's been to a Sunday school where they've learnt these uh, tales of the doings of Jesus and they will tell you about the time when a man was brought to Jesus by his friends because he was paralysed he was poorly lying on a bed and because there were so many people there 
Now, of course, we know why there are so many people there, because there are all these leaders of the religious uh, orders who come from around the land. No wonder there wasn't room to get into the place to go and see Jesus and bring their friend to him and say, please, Lord, will you heal this man? So they went upon the roof, and they took some of the roof material away and let the man's bed down on ropes into the middle of the congregation around Jesus. And when I uh, developed another address on, on that theme, I, I took great uh, delight at the time um, in, in uh, referring to a, a, a young friend of ours at a Christophian meeting in South Wales at the time uh, who had uh, gone to university to do animation. I wish I could find the funding to get him to make a film of this because I think it would make a wonderful animated film where you see these the VIPs of, of religious thought gathered around Jesus listening to this man's words and suddenly the roof starts getting ripped apart above them they're covered in dust and muck and, and, oh, you know, and suddenly then, then a bit like a scene out of a science fiction film there's this thing being loaded it turns out it's a, it's a, it's a mattress with a man on now, apart from all the confusion and <coughs> coughing as the dust settled, what, 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 what comes to the attention? What, what is it that the Gospel writer focuses on when Jesus met these people? Well, first of all, the main focus is on Jesus and the man lying paralysed on his mattress. But the other thing we find is the friends who had carried him because we are told that Jesus saw the faith of the friends as well as the faith he discovered in his conversation with the man so those are the people we're introduced to the important people hardly feature other than for their intervention let's have a look at verse 6 uh, of, of chapter 2 of Mark their intervention is summarised like this some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoned in their hearts why does this man speak blasphemies who can forgive sins but God alone now actually in a way they were right the Old Testament clearly teaches that is their, that's their scriptures that God can forgive sins Indeed, if you look at the time when the prophet Daniel prayed to God because he knew that the time for God to forgive the people and bring them back from that captivity in Babylon was due, he confesses the sins of the people and says exactly that, that to God belongs this right to be merciful and forgiving. So in a way they were right, that's what the Old Testament taught. And what this incident in the gospel where Jesus came face to face with the faith of four people in him because he thought, if only we can get our friend to this man he'll be healed. Also there was this confrontation with people who were not willing to think outside the box we would say today. All they could see was a rather ludicrous situation where they'd got covered in dust and these men were bringing a, a friend who Jesus was talking to 
And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven to the paralyzed man. Now, when you work out between the three gospel records and other comments in the Bible, what was going on, it becomes quite clear. Jesus, in the style particularly of Mark's gospel, where we're told he got on with things, Jesus goes for the most important subject. And, in fact, you can trace that to later on in his gospel record when he is still addressing this, this subject. And, and it's, it's, it's a twofold thing which we're introduced to here. Uh, so it, it both, both strands of this, if you like, occur here, and then we see them later on in what Jesus does. And so Jesus says, well, why are you thinking like this? We've, we have to remember, of course, Jesus had this divine perception into the hearts and minds of people around him. So he could tell, he didn't have to hear them saying, oh, can't forgive sins, only God can forgive sins. Well, quite right. He knew what they were thinking. He said, well, what do you want me to do? To say your sins are forgiven. Or to say, get up and walk out with your mattress. And of course the man got up and walked out with his mattress. And why, what was Jesus doing by this amazing miracle with the words that accompanied it to this man he just met lying on the mattress? He was doing it to establish his authority. The King James Bible uses the word power. But the Greek word means more of the authority aspect of power. Right? And what Jesus had from his heavenly father was both aspects of power. He had the, the ability, the power of God to heal a man. But he had also the authority of God to do this. And not just to heal the man, but to say to him that his sins could be forgiven. And so what we find straight away in Mark's Gospel is that Jesus uses the opportunity presented when he comes across what we call a member of the public. You know, or, 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 or uh, it's, it's not quite like um, the modern political rallies where, they, where you have selected people allowed into the meeting to cheer the, uh, the leader of the party or, or carefully screen people to come and ask questions. Jesus was out there with, with, with the common people. He came across everybody. He, he, he had no spin doctors and, and, and uh, bouncers to make sure he only met the right people and, and wasn't troubled. Sometimes the disciples tried to do that. And, and she said, no, no, let, like the little children, let them come to me. Uh, later on, th there were other people who tried to get to you. No, 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 it's all right, it's all right. I've got a message for them. Jesus just took the people he met and dealt with the situation. And he used it to further his mission. That's the point. I am going to, today, says Jesus to himself, establish that God has given me the power to do healing miracles, which he'd already done, but, but they, they hadn't seen them. So he'd do, he would do one in front of the authorities so they could see what it was about. And while I'm at it, I'm going to introduce into the conversation 
one of the most revolutionary things I will ever say. I, I'll put, I, I know that's me putting those words into the, into the mouth of my Lord. Forgive me if, 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 you, if you think that's a bit presumptuous of me. But that is clearly what Jesus is doing. He is identifying a key thing that needed saying and he says it with conviction and with the backup of a miracle. And he's saying, I have God's authority to forgive people's sins. Just, just a final comment on this. The reason that horrified the authorities was not just the fact that this man who wasn't one of them was doing it, but of course the Jewish religion had a very well-established order of this matter of forgiving the sins of the nation. It was a thing called the Day of Atonement. It's the sort of thing we've heard in recent years in, uh, when news coverage of, of matters in the land of Israel has occurred because, of course, in modern uh, uh, days we hear it referred to as the Feast of Yom Kippur and it was, it was once that the uh, surrounding nations uh, decided to uh, retaliate and attack Israel on that particular feast. There was a Yom Kippur war um, 30 years ago. But the Day of Atonement was when there was a national ceremony and the scapegoat, as, as uh, this is where that, that phrase comes from, the scapegoat was sent away symbolically carrying the sins of the people out of sight into the wilderness. And as far as the Jews of that day were concerned, because of the way the, the scribes and Pharisees had sort of systematised and tick box sized their religion... Right, you get to the Day of Atonement, tick box, fine, we've had our national sins forgiven for another year, great. That is not the way in which God had tried to teach his people about their behaviour before him and how to approach him when they failed. But that's what it had become. It had become an exercise in a ceremony and tick the box and we're alright. And of course... It clearly wasn't the Day of Atonement that day because they wouldn't have been up in Galilee, they'd have been in Jerusalem had it been. So it wasn't the right day for forgiving sins. Nobody said that, but can you imagine if they said to Jesus, oh, this isn't the day to forgive sins. Like they said to, oh, you can't, you can't heal on the Sabbath. Can't do work on, on, on our Sabbath. We, 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 we've, we've altered. They wouldn't admit it, but they had adjusted God's law to suit themselves to harden up some of the commandments and well, <clears throat> we're relaxing all these others that suit us while well, we're at it but Jesus met these people head on and taught them a most to, to me a most magnificent lesson in the way in which the forgiving God is willing to forgive sins and you can't tie God down and make him fit into a straitjacket and a little box and say, well, you said you can do that way, God. I'm, we, we want you to do it this way, and we, you know, we're going to make a little system out of it. It doesn't work like that. God sends his son, who in personal contact with the people around him, made the point. The, the man who featured in the next little bit of Mark chapter 2 is the man we sang about in one of our hymns, the tax collector Matthew who of course is the man who then went on to write the first gospel and he also responded to the call of Jesus 
and uh, many people did many people responded to the call of Jesus they weren't blinded by tradition and self interest like some of the leaders and uh, they instead listened to what this man said to what they noticed what this man did and they realised that the best thing to do was to follow him and of course eventually, gradually or perhaps only finally after his death and resurrection they realised the full picture that this was indeed God's son who had been sent as God had promised let's move on to another chapter where uh, Jesus meets people and there is another uh, level of immediacy uh, involved one of the um, better known uh, healings of Jesus was the amazing time that he healed a little girl by actually raising her from the dead let's move on to Mark chapter 5 now as we've said Jesus was based on the lake side of Galilee and he was going around that region doing his preaching and teaching and healing and helping people in many ways and in verse 21 of Mark chapter 5 we find that he crosses over and indeed this is coming back to Capernaum and the ruler, one of the rulers of the synagogue one of the top religious men in the, in the town, Jairus comes and asks Jesus to come because his daughter is at the point of death but on the way to the house of Jairus there's an interruption there's a kerfuffle there's a commotion in the crowd Jesus suddenly stops and says that somebody has touched his clothing because he perceived, he understood, he realised that power and now it is the actual healing power that had gone out to somebody and it turns out that it's this poor lady who has been for 12 years suffering from a dreadful hemorrhage uh, by putting the gospel records together we realise just what a, a trial it was to her she spent all her money on on doctors and uh, she thought she would now do the obvious thing and go and see this wonderful man it's Mark who actually adds at the end of verse um, 26 not only had she spent all the money but he says but rather she grew worse it wasn't that she wasn't, <laughs> she wasn't healed she actually got worse because of the quack remedies some of these doctors had tried on this poor woman with a hemorrhage so she goes and she manages to get through the crowd and reaches out and touches Jesus' garment 
And in verse 29, it's our word again. As soon as she touched him, immediately, straight away, she knows that that hemorrhage has stopped. And she could tell inside herself that she was better. You may be familiar with adverts for fast-acting medicines. This is not just a pharmaceutical cure. This is the power of God actually remedying what would nowadays need a full-blown operation. I don't think in our modern society we're used to talking about the level of detail in the scriptures. The things that God does through his prophets and his son particularly that the level of engagement with the human race and with its needs that it actually is, is here in the Bible I think this is, this is, this is a wonderful example of, of how this is and it reminds us that we must realise just how the power of the creator can be applied to recreate the right situation and not just in somebody's internal workings as in this case but on a much bigger scale which is what his son was preaching the coming of the kingdom of God but of course having stopped to uh, talk to this lady now embarrassed at having been uh, identified in the crowd but overjoyed to having been healed Jesus now finds himself with the dilemma that a messenger comes from the household to say don't rush home don't push through with the master because it's too late your daughter's died but Jesus goes on and the word is there again in verse 36 it comes over in the as soon as category doesn't it but it's the, it's the same same meaning straightway immediately as soon as forthwith instantly that Jesus heard the message from the household he tells the ruler don't be afraid just believe now, try to put yourself in the place of this man. Not that Jesus met, but who had himself gone to meet Jesus and to plead for the life of his 12-year-old girl. And you're on the way back home. There's, there's, there's been this distraction, as you might view it, if you, if you were uncharitable. Well, that poor old lady's been helped, but... And one of your household staff is coming towards you. You can probably tell from their face, actually, what are they going to say. Sorry, sorry, Master, it's, it's too late. Don't, don't, don't bother the Lord anymore. Jesus' response is immediate, we are told by Mark. Don't be afraid. Just believe. 
You see, ladies and gentlemen, the, the reason that the gospel records present us with these encounters between the real, live, active Son of God, Jesus, and these real, ordinary, everyday people is so that we can see that interaction between the divinely sent saviour and the human being in need I could go on and on and on we've got a few more incidents that uh, this word occurs in we've got a whole raft of incidents in the life of Jesus and Indeed, when you work it out, uh, someone's actually done the calculations, but the number of days of those three and a half years that, are, that we are given insight into is, is very small, actually, by, by comparison to, 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 to that three and a half years. The, the actual amount of time that, that the Gospels focus on is, is very selective, and, and that is the way God presents his word, you know. God tells us the bits we need to know that he, he knows make up the full picture for for us but in this gospel particularly we have this use of this word that impresses upon us the immediacy the urgency the dedication of the Lord Jesus to his task and, and it's quite simply this ladies and gentlemen if Jesus when he was here knowing the time constraints on his work got on with the job and at every opportunity we have recorded dealt directly clearly compassionately with the people who came to him isn't that telling us something uh, us today of course it is sadly of course we also see um, perhaps more so in other gospel records uh, not in terms of what he said when he met people but his scathing condemnation of those not just who didn't agree with him that, that, that is not what Jesus is concerned about but who didn't agree with God who so disagreed with God that they had taken his Old Testament scriptures as we call them uh, the Bible of his day and they had twisted it. They had selected bits and ignored others. They had managed to actually take laws and make it look like it was in reverse in operation. How, how do you do that? Well, I'll tell you how you do it. If you want an example, look around the world today and see whether it's religious leaders or political leaders who somehow are not true to what they claim to be true to. You might think that's a quite sweeping statement. I base it on the way in which Jesus had to face up to people who were not true to what the basis of their faith or commitment was. If you find yourself wondering about the differences between different political and religious systems in this world ladies and gentlemen take a leaf out of the book of Jesus approach to matters and say actually what matters 
is what God has said. Measure up to that. Uh, once you come out of the gospel records, of course, you come to the book of Acts. So the four months of study this particular congregation is engaging in this year, looking at the gospel records, lays a wonderful foundation for all of us to move on and to think what happened when the early church was established. And in terms of matters of the Christian religion, if you look at those opening chapters of the book of Acts, and what you see there does not coincide or agree with what somebody's telling you, then you have a clear choice between what the Bible says and what somebody has decided they will say. Jesus had to face up to the fact that people had twisted the word of God in his day. And as we've seen in, in that one incident, he was quite clear. Yes, they were right in a sense. God was the only one, the divine creator, had the right, the, the, the reason, the power to forgive sins. They just couldn't get their head around the fact that he could delegate that power to his son and send him on earth to do it. And that actually is, of course, the great theme as we go through the gospel record later on. There is that same immediacy word in some other of Jesus' healing miracles. No time to look at those this afternoon. But it's there again as Jesus comes to the last week of his life. No doubt you're aware of the occasion when Jesus rode into Jerusalem. In the Orthodox Christian calendar it's celebrated as Palm Sunday because people cut down branches of trees for him riding on this donkey to Passover. But when Jesus' disciples went to get the donkey for Jesus to ride on and they were questioned as to what they were doing just walking off with somebody's animal they gave the people of the village the answer that the Lord needs it and immediately they were allowed to go this was prearranged and there was no question that was it, that's it done there was an immediacy there the authority of Jesus extended to giving his disciples the right to go and do something on his behalf. That we could follow up in great detail. And then of course we have the record of Jesus meeting people who, again, meeting people who disagreed with him. And his answering their questions. We haven't got time to go into it in detail, but chapter 12 of Mark is, is a fascinating chapter. It starts off with a parable, which those same religious leaders squirmed about when they heard it, because they perceived that Jesus was talking about them. The parable of the people who had taken over the tenancy of a vineyard and when they were asked to send the fruit to the owner beat treated shamefully or even killed his emissaries 
And finally, when the owner sent his son, they said, Ah! <laughs> he's only heir. If we kill him, there's nobody to pass the vineyard on to and we can have it. The religious leaders, by now, were astute enough to understand that he was directing this parable at them. And indeed, within the week, they would manage to get God there and kill him. Sadly, Mark's gospel ends with three occurrences of the use of our word conveying the immediacy of the situation when it appears that the rulers had the upper hand. They were the ones who thought they'd won. They are the ones to whom this word applies. As soon as, straightway, immediately, applies to the plot capture, try condemn and put to death the son of God but of course even though Mark gives them that much credence that they got on with it what it doesn't do of course is take away from the fact when we come to the end of Mark's gospel after he had been put to death. Jesus again meets people. He is alive, brought back to life from the dead by his Father. So, in the ninth verse of the last chapter, Mark 16, we find he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. Verse 12, after that he appeared to another two as they walked in the country. Later, verse 14, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. And when you take into account what is written in the rest of the New Testament, we find that on one occasion, according to the Apostle Paul, there were 500 believers gathered together who met Jesus in the, that time before he ascended to heaven. So for all the authorities thought that they're finally grasping the nettle and getting on with it had led to success. As I was discussing from our platform this morning when you come to the Acts of the Apostles you find suddenly that the tables are turned and that thousands and thousands of people in the city of Jerusalem came to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to follow him. Some of those people Jesus would have met personally in the preceding few years. Many of them might have only seen him at a distance. And quite soon, people who had never met Jesus would be hearing the message and believing in him. And that's where we come into the picture, ladies and gentlemen. We are amongst those who have never met Jesus. But that is why, in his wisdom, God provides us this book. Because we may not have met him. 
but as sure as God is determined to carry his purpose out and to save people from their sins we can get to know him we can come to follow him and we can wait for the glorious day when he will again come to earth and fulfill his father's purpose just imagine that finally you and I then could be amongst those people who've met Jesus we hope you enjoyed that talk for more downloads information about what we believe and details of our meeting times go to our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk